Thanks, everybody, for joining us here tonight, uh, Tuesday night, for another edition of the Flashpoint Podcast. My name is Owen Higgins. I have a bit of a cold, uh, so my voice is a little more congested than usual. Uh, and, yeah, I'm your host. This is the Flashpoint Podcast. Um, and tonight, I'm super excited to have Ari Drennan back on. Uh, we're going to be talking about the kind of ongoing lives of TikTok and other uh, hate groups attacking uh, children's hospitals in this kind of anti-trans, well, it's not kind of anti-trans, it is anti-trans, um, <laughs> uh, project of, of uh, you know, a, attacking uh, LGBTQ people, specifically trans people, as well as uh, medical professionals. And there are obviously a lot of uh, aspects uh, to this issue that I'm sure that we're going to get into uh, including, you know, the, the, the political ramifications, the political reasons why they're doing this, the role of the media, the right-wing media specifically, but also elements of the liberal media in uh, propping up these people and propping up their arguments. Uh, so there's, there's a lot to discuss here, and obviously, you know, we, we were going to do it last week, uh, but Ari got sick, so glad that Ari's feeling better now. Um, uh, but it's almost kind of better, I think, that we didn't because the you know a bunch of stuff happened um, over the last week or so uh, with the this woman Catherine Levy from Westfield. So if you're not familiar, essentially, um, and and of course Ari will go into more detail uh, because she knows a lot more about this than I do. But um, effectively, what happened here is that you had this uh, Twitter account called Libs of TikTok uh, spreading these rumors the and all of this kind of hateful uh rhetoric about the Boston Children's Hospital and gender affirmation care and it it escalated to the point that this woman named I believe uh Catherine Levy from Westfield Massachusetts uh called in a bomb threat to Boston Children's Hospital part of just this campaign of terror uh, that has been kind of run against them, uh, that is kind of starting to expand now. There are other characters in this uh, extended universe of hate, some of whom uh, will be familiar, like Tucker Carlson, some of whom um, I'm going to really be leaning on Ari uh, for help to explain, like this Billboard Chris guy, uh, <laughs> who I don't know much about. But um, Ari, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Um, Media Matters for America. Obviously, you've been doing great work over there. Uh, would you uh, be able to kind of walk us through, like, how we got to this point? I, I know that I kind of I, I went through a very, very loose, I think, retelling of it, but but I, I feel like you'd be able to kind of explain it in a lot more detail and and to, to get a better uh, sense for for the audience of, of what's going on here. Yeah, unfortunately, I've become an expert on the sort of anti-trans extended universe on Twitter and all the various peoples who all the various people who um, have been directing hate at various different children's hospitals. So um, thanks again for having me on and for uh, rescheduling. I had COVID last week, so that was not a good time. And I hope you get better from your cold soon. Um, Thank you. Yeah, of course. So um Basically, this all started back in August. Um, I, th I want to say it was August 9th. Um, this guy call who calls himself Billboard Chris, um, Chris Elston, he's a Canadian, like, kind of anti-trans activist. He first became famous f 
for um, putting up a, a billboard that says, I love JK Rowling, um, after she first made some anti-trans comments. And from there, this guy has um, really become a kind of fanatic, um, you know, really focusing on uh, medical care for trans people by going to hospitals all around um, first Canada and now the US and um, standing outside them, standing outside them wearing a sandwich board, which is where I guess his name comes from, um, and uh, just kind of protesting um, life-saving medical care for trans people, which I guess is an issue that he's deeply motivated by. Um, so he started talking about Boston Children's Hospital on August 9th, um, seizing on this video where they talked about providing uh, hysterectomies for, for trans men um, and, you know, really kind of amplifying that message, claiming that they were performing these procedures on, um, on minors. Libs of TikTok picked up on this message two days later um, and, you know, reposted it with a kind of salacious caption about um, these, these services being offered to minors that was really seized on throughout the right-wing media ecosystem. Um, you know, Libs of TikTok really focused on it. Matt Walsh really focused on it. He, he posted a whole video that said, you know, maybe this all, this all starts with Boston Children's Hospital, seeming like he wanted to kick off a whole movement around protesting this. Uh, Tucker Carlson has really focused in on it many, many times. Um, and basically what happened is all these right-wing media figures continued dialing up the heat against this children's hospital, um, which led the hospital to get more and more threats, threats towards doctors, threats towards patients. Um, they had to, you know, call for help from uh, local police, from the FBI. Uh, eventually, there were multiple bomb threats against the hospital, and all of that sort of culminated You're in... You're fading out a little bit, Ari. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, you're good now. Um, yeah, just let me know. I can always turn my Wi-Fi off and see if that works better. Um, so basically, all of these bomb threats culminated in uh, the FBI announcing an arrest last Thursday of, as you mentioned, Catherine Levy of Westfield, Massachusetts, um, who had who'd called the hospital with her personal cell phone um, and called everybody working there sickos and demanded that they evacuate immediately, saying that a bomb was on the way. So that's that's the situation through Thursday, basically. Yeah, you know, I, I did um, uh, when when I. I think I think it was in the evening we got her name and and I remember like later that night I kind of you know like did a little digging yeah uh, to to find and you know I I, I want to stress here that um what I'm saying is is just is very subjective right but uh my impression of of what I saw was someone who was probably pretty impressionable um and uh, probably just like um, I mean, certainly some, somebody who uh, was transphobic and and hate filled, but um, not not somebody who was really thinking this through beyond yeah. like the one moment, right? But but I think that it is important to think about it that way because that's the way that this stuff starts, right? Like it doesn't start with like really calculate. Like they're not appealing lives of TikTok and these other right-wing groups are not appealing to uh, like rational actors who are going to take rational action. 
they're appealing to, to, to mobs and to people who are going to react around emotion. And the thing is, so even, even while I was like looking at this and, you know, I, I wouldn't call like what I was feeling exactly pity, but kind of just like, you know, it's just, it's unfortunate that somebody is in a situation where they can be manipulated like this. But at the same time, like while I was thinking that I was like, but, but the, you know, all it takes is like somebody who just goes a little further and a little further and a little further. And it really seems like the campaign that they're doing is aimed at people uh, like Ms. Levy uh, who are impressionable, who who are really susceptible to this this hate movement uh, appealing to them on an emotional level. And eventually, it just, it feels, I mean, I hope it doesn't, but it feels like something violent is going to happen. Would you, would you think yeah. that that's a fair way to look at that? I do. Um, I also did some digging. It seemed like the suspect, you know, was kind of like a generic. It looked like she'd made a lot of donations to, to Trump in the summer of 2020, um, kind of like, $100 here, $15 there, um, kind of tailing off before the election even. Um, but, it, you know, she wasn't like a, a, she doesn't seem like a zealot. She seems like, I mean, the situation we have here is that a lot of these right-wing media figures have discovered that it is a profitable grift to scare your audience about trans people. So, you know, if you're if you're turning on Fox News every night or if you're watching YouTube every day, you're logging on to Twitter every day and you're seeing people say, you know, people are going to convince your child that they're trans and then they're going to castrate them without your knowledge. That's going to be upsetting to you. Um, something like 60 percent of people still do not know a trans person. So um, it's you know, it's a it's an environment where it's rife for misinformation and fear mongering to take place. And there, you know, there's a really interesting study I saw earlier this year that asked people to estimate what percentage of the population that they thought was trans. Um, and they came up with something like 20%, which is so wild because like the, the real number is something between 0.5, like 0.5 and 1.5%. So like this is a really, really small population. It's incredibly misunderstood and it's become profitable for people like Matt Walsh to, you know, spend all day scaring people about trans people. And then at the end of the day, they log off and have dinner with their family and go to sleep in their nice home. And, you know, they've got this whole radicalized audience who might not realize that to a lot of these people that this is just a job. Right, right. They're 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 amping everybody up, and then they're just going to relax. Meanwhile, the people that they've amped up are like hyperventilating on their computer and becoming more right. and more radicalized by by the minute because they've been pushed down this path. I mean, Walsh is, of course, uh, if if uh, for people who aren't familiar with him, um, he's is is it Daily Wire? Is that the one? I can't yeah. remember which one. Be, yeah, he's he's one of Ben Shapiro's um, uh, people in the Ben Shapiro media orbit. Uh, easily, like I think, one of the most hateful uh, uh, anti-trans and and otherwise uh, human beings out there. Uh, just a real yeah. monster. Um, and you know the the stuff that that he says is, I mean, he's pretty explicit about. Um, I mean, on his Twitter account, he says he's a theocratic fascist. There's literally zero reason to think that he is not. Um, there's zero reason to think that that is not what's going on. Um, and you know, it's just been, 
it's been quite disturbing to kind of watch him continue to gain this audience and to get, you know, uh, mainstream. Well, not maybe not mainstream media approval, but some media approval from from uh, his maybe his ideological opposites or or uh, people who you might have thought that way. Like I think uh, was it Matt Taibbi was like boosting him like yeah. last month or something. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that guy's that guy's transformation has been has been pretty disappointing you know I, I like i remember reading him when i was a teenager yeah yeah it has been i i think that for a lot of people uh taibi's um just full tilt dash into transphobia was kind of the last straw uh mm-hmm. if, you know for for a lot of people who weren't already at that point but yeah. it does <laughs> it does kind of bring up like a question that that i'm i'm curious what you think about this i mean there are people like uh so there are people like Walsh and uh, uh, Chaya Rachik, who's who's the woman behind Libs of TikTok, and uh, and and other people like that who who are who are making money off of this, um, but do at least seem to be somewhat of true believers, at least in like the kind of right wing uh, belief system, and maybe even and, and and I think are like like actually bigoted. Uh, but yeah. then there are people like uh, like Taibi, certainly. Um, I, you know, I'd argue that, that Greenwald could be included in this, who uh, seem like they're just kind of doing it uh, as like they're opportunistic, right? They're just doing it because they have the opportunity to get a, a couple more clicks or a couple more subscriptions. Is is that your impression of of what they're doing? And, and what do you think about that? What do you think that says about just their willingness to? to throw trans people under the bus, just another marginalized community they don't really give a shit about so that they can make a couple more dollars. Yeah, I mean, I think it's become kind of the, like, trendy culture war topic. Um, I remember when I was when I was growing up and trying to figure out what the hell my deal was, um, you know, this wasn't something that we were having debates about. Like, are trans people who they say they are? Um, do, they, do we deserve to be accommodated in public? Um, and part of that's that, you know, our culture was just kind of a lot more homophobic and transphobic generally. So, um, you know, in, in some regards, it's a sign of progress um, that these are the debates that we're having. But um, I think, you know, you get a lot of pundits kind of winking at this issue or, or who, you know, during the Obama years were in kind of a different place politically. So think Greenwald, think um, Taibbi, uh, think... Um, Oh gosh, what's his name? The I'm blanking on um, Andrew Sullivan. You know, people who like like obviously I'm not going to defend everything that these guys have ever written, but um, you know they were sort of in the cultural mix of the Obama coalition, and even during the Trump era, there wasn't really the same volume of conversation about trans people and trans rights, and and you know whether it were some kind of threat to the world order. Um, that's really something that's developed since President Biden uh, came into office. Um, and it's been kind of interesting to see so many different elements of the right latch onto this. So one more example I'll give um, Chris Rufo, the you know right-wing activist, former wannabe filmmaker who last year made the panic around critical race theory a thing. Um, this year he said, that his fight against what he calls gender ideology is the the new critical race theory for him. So, you know, this is what they see as their issue that they're going to focus on. They're trying to win back the white suburban voters who fled during the during the Trump administration. 
And it's interesting because they did, you know, they tried this um, in 2016, remember, with the bathroom mm-hmm. bills. And yeah. for the for weren't really into it. Um, like, obviously, they had some success, right? Like, they had some success at the state level, but it didn't, yeah. like, it, it wasn't like a motivator. Like, people weren't. Uh, coming out to vote on like it wasn't scaring people in the way that they wanted it to do and something has changed obviously where now it is and and it's you know we've been kind of watching as well like the uh the anti-trans movement um across the atlantic in the uk which is just you know a very very transphobic (laughs) uh community over there and 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 we've been watching that kind of make its way Hey, so sorry about that. Am I back? Hey, can anybody hear me? Oh, sorry, some structural differences between British and American politics that um, kind of make it harder for it to become the like cross-cutting issue that it has been. Um, opposition to trans people in the UK, at least publicly, has been led by people who call themselves gender critical, who aren't necessarily on the political political left or right. Um, I would take issue with them saying that they're gender critical because they're only really critical of one type of gender, but um, that's what they call themselves. Whereas in the U.S., um, this movement has overwhelmingly been driven by um, religious right-wing conservatives, and part of the part of the reason is um, you know left-wing feminist voters in the United States are more motivated by right-wing attacks on. Um, the right to have an abortion than by politics around trans people who, you know, again, remain a tiny minority at a time when Roe versus Wade is, is gone. And so, you know, that's just not the same. It's not the same motivation to activism. And then the other thing is that I think um, 
part of why we're seeing so much of this in, in the United States right now is that the right would rather be arguing over trans rights and trans people than they would be talking about the fact that they're making abortion illegal. Um, so, you know, when, when Roe v. Wade was overturned, there were a lot of immediate debates about like, oh, what, like, can men get pregnant? Um, because they want to be having that argument over whether or not men can get pregnant and they don't want to be talking about the fact that they've made it illegal to have an abortion. Yeah, that's definitely, yeah, they, they, they definitely do want to switch, um, the topic, right? They, they, they want to change the way that we're talking about this kind of stuff. Um, but I guess, I guess that maybe, I mean, maybe it was always festering. Maybe it was always going to be there, uh, something it was always going to happen, but, um, the way that it's kind of exploded, um, there's, there's a clip. I'm obviously not going to play it, uh, partly because it's (laughs) disgusting, uh, but from Tucker Carlson, I think it was like last night, um, talking about trans people talking about, uh, uh, I think it was, I think it was the children's hospital. I'm not sure. Like it, it just very like extreme, extreme stuff that, that I hadn't even heard from him yet. Right. Um, and it seems like things are, are, are careening into like extreme danger. Yeah, I'm, I mean, the, the bomb threat that we saw against Boston Children's Hospital um, wasn't, you know, it, it didn't materialize into something serious, but it's really only a matter of time before something violent does happen. I mean, if you look at Texas, we're seeing kind of like um, open neo-Nazi protesters outside every kind of drag event that gets publicized. Um, there were a lot of issues during Pride Month with uh, gangs of Proud Boys materializing and storming these these drag queen story hour events. Um, it's only a matter of time before one of those turns violent or before you know someone's threat isn't isn't just for show. Um, there's a lot of violence against trans people in the United States at present. Um, historically, most of it uh, is inflicted on trans people of color. Um, I'm worried about that spreading and about, you know, not, not that it's not that it excuses what has been happening, but I'm, you know, that the idea of the violence growing because it's been more motivated by uh, political rhetoric rather than just kind of um, hate and ignorance. Yeah, there's definitely, there's, there's definitely been a, a turn where people are now, where people on the right are now telling their audience that, that this is like an existential threat yeah, to, yeah. Uh, like, in a way that we haven't, uh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, I mean, Tucker Carlson says that all the time. Um, our, uh, amazing researcher at media matters who has the unfortunate job of watching Tucker Carlson every night, uh, just put out uh, a video that she worked on today of all the times that Tucker Carlson has said that trans people represent the end of civilization. It seems to be something that he takes pretty seriously. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, I think that that kind of does kind of go back to like what we were talking about earlier, where like the difference, um, between, you know, people who are doing this just for their own, uh, uh, financial gain, like like in in the immediate, and and people who are true believers, and I think Tucker would be a true believer, right? I mean, from everything we've heard. Yeah, I mean, Tucker Carlson's father made his career as an investigative reporter by 
um, investigating and outing prominent trans women back in the 1970s. Uh, there was a documentary about it on HBO that I actually haven't watched, but, you know, maybe someday I will. Um, but so this is something that like Tucker seems to have grown up with. He seems to believe it quite strongly. Um, and he's been using his show, which, you know, for those of you who don't know, is the number one news show in America, the number one cable news show in America. Um, he's been using that to relentlessly call for anti-trans measures and not just anti-trans measures, but at least four separate times this year. He has argued that his audience has a responsibility to go into uh, schools and beat up, his words, not mine, um, teachers who are teaching anything about what he says is gender ideology. Yeah, I mean, that's like a very direct uh, yeah. threat of violence, right? Like, And um, I, I think that it... It's kind of like if you compare if if you combine like his audience to then like the libs of TikTok social media audience, um, it just kind of and, and like all these other right wing. I mean Matt Walsh I think has like a million followers on on Twitter now and and, and you know yeah. uh, has a huge and then there's all of the people on YouTube as well. Shapiro himself has has been a pretty virulent bigot for a long time, um, uh, in in many ways obviously, but um, but also specifically against trans people. Yeah. There is, it is this kind of like festering little swamp of hate, uh, where, where it, it really does seem like we're just going to continue to see this stuff, uh, accelerate. Um, it, it, this, this, I've seen this billboard, Chris guy that we were talking about at the top of the show. <laughs> I've seen him on Tucker's show a couple of times. He is, can, can you talk a little bit about what he's doing right now? Isn't he's kind of going around the U S is that his deal now? Yeah, so he's going around the U.S. He's protesting outside children's hospitals. Um, he actually met with some members of Congress on either last Wednesday or Thursday. I had COVID, so it all kind of runs together. Um, but regardless, four out of the five members of Congress he met with were um, insurrectionists. <laughs> um, but he, so he led a protest against Boston Children's Hospital on Sunday uh, that he tried to publicize and less than 10 people showed up to support him. Um, hundreds of people showed up to counter protest him, but you know, he continues to get media attention for, for these stunts, which, you know, I think it's just kind of sad. Like, you know, this, uh, adult man who came to another country, left his family just to come protest medical procedures that, you know, he doesn't, understand, doesn't know about, um, it's, I guess something I keep coming back to that, you know, that you highlighted earlier on is just the idea that, um, people are really getting taken in by this movement and convinced that, uh, you know, that trans people are, you know, some kind of civilizational threat, some kind of growing menace. And it's just like, as a trans person, it's just really weird. Like my life is pretty normal and boring, you know, like I spent all weekend hiking. Right. Where, like, where's, where, where's the threat really coming from? Yeah. Like, you know, I'm like driving my Subaru around with my, uh, fiance, we're going hiking together. Like if that's a civilizational threat, that, that's a pretty pathetic civilization. Yeah. It's, it's, it's also a threat <laughs> that, um, that, you know, uh, that people all across the country, uh, then are threatening civilization. That's a very, uh, that's a pretty normy thing to to be going 
like in your Subaru to go hiking with your fiance. That's not that's yeah. not something that's like some insidious plot to like uh, to, to overthrow Western civilization, right? I mean, if it if it is, that's fascinating. Nobody has told me about the threat to overthrow Western civilization, but um, you know, I'll, I guess I'll keep waiting. Right, right. Only a matter of time. Um, <laughs> so, uh, you know, I, I think um, I just uh, we got we got a little bit of time left here. Just maybe to just talk a little bit about some of the other figures uh, in in this in this hate movement here, and um, I, you know, I, I do. I, I do want to kind of talk a little bit about um, because also like like between when we started talking about doing the show and us doing the show, like a lot of things happened, right? The the, the kiwi farms getting shut down, um, and yeah. I have noticed, and and I'm really interested to hear your take on this because I have noticed that there has been this kind of like uh, backlash for some reason to like. Uh, Kiwi farms getting shut down by some of the usual suspects, including um, anti-trans figures like uh, Jesse Single, of course, but who who are uh, presenting it like it's it's a a question of like um, ethical reporting and 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 just getting the facts. Um, I I don't know how much you've been following this kind of contrarian uh, closing Kiwi farms was bad thing, but I'm curious what you think about what you have seen about it because it does seem it seems pretty disingenuous to me yeah i mean i think that's just one of those weird kind of um social media dynamics where there had been a lot of attention on the kiwi farms campaign on the work that uh clara sorrenti had been doing to get that shut down um there can only be so much attention on any kind of issue without someone jumping in to fill the void of the other side um and to argue you know, against it. And that's kind of like Jesse Singles, um, you know, his whole reason for existing, I guess, is to be a contrarian, um, which so he has argued that, you know, the the death threats on Kiwi farms weren't really serious. Um, and so, you know, taking it down wasn't justified. But um, like, I just think that's pretty silly. I mean, they've been chasing uh, Keffels, the activists who targeted it. They've been chasing her around the world. Um, you know, they're a pretty, they were a pretty dangerous forum that people were really scared to criticize. I mean, my experience with it is that they, um, they doxed several, me- they doxed me, they doxed several members of my family. Um, and that was really scary because like, I signed up to uh, get into misinformation work to um, to kind of fight against right-wing narratives about LGBTQ people, but my family didn't sign up for that level of attention and scrutiny, and, you know, I felt really uncomfortable with them getting that because of the work that I was doing. So I don't think anyone's going to miss Kiwi Farms except the people who are using Kiwi Farms, and I think the people who are kind of loudly... Um, speaking up and, you know, suddenly having a lot of principles with regards to Kiwi Farms are probably just people who found it really convenient for their reporting to have these kind of, like, dossiers on their enemies. Yeah, that's, I mean, that seems uh, undeniable. I think that, I think that that's been admitted by, at least by Single, uh, that, um, that, that he, that he used it. Um, I have, I have heard that he might have had some contacts with, with some of the people there, but, 
uh, of all of you heard whispers about that. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it's the thing about a site like that is that it is really aimed at at violent threats. And what you're saying, right, about how you know your family didn't sign up for it and how that makes you uncomfortable. I mean, that's the entire purpose of that, right? Like that's exactly yeah. what they're doing. They're trying to make it so that you feel so uncomfortable that you stop working against that project. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, like to my enduring shame now that it's gone, like they successfully prevented me from speaking up against them in a way that other actors have been unable to. They were very, very thorough. Um, you know, I assume those people are going to find their whole of the internet to congregate in and, and be nasty in um, eventually. But, you know, I think for now, like that's gone as an organized space and good riddance. And, you know, I think the, the one really funny thing was they found out um, when they were looking into me, they found out that I'd written a spy novel like a decade ago and they pulled up excerpts of that and reviews of that. And um, that was I thought that was pretty funny. I didn't want to acknowledge it on social media because I didn't want to like feed that. But it was like good, good work, guys. You found it. Right, right. It's like it's it's like you know you, you at a certain point if you don't kind of laugh at the I guess the uh, absurdity of all of it, um, if in, in in as much as you're able to, right, um, then then you then then I think you can get really caught up with it. Um, yeah, totally. Certainly. I mean, I, like, you know, I, I, I think that I can speak for myself and for, for other people like, you know, the, uh, the, the, the internet can be a pretty intimidating place as far as people just kind of scheming against you. So, um, it's, it is always good to kind of, uh, find a little bit of a release. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't, I, it is getting kind of late here and I, and, and we've already had some technical issues. So I don't want to like, uh, keep us going here too late, but, um, you know, I, I just wanted to, uh, just kind of wrap here by, by asking you this kind of open-ended question, which is, you know, we're like a month and a half off from the midterm election. Um, yeah. And I saw, um, just find this here, um, from, uh, Oh man, what's her name? I can't remember what her name is, uh, and and I can't search for it uh, without that. <laughs> that would but, make it hard, right? But but she said something to the effect of like, "This is going to be the um, this is the plan for the midterms, right? Is to foment more anti LGBTQ uh, hate and yeah. to use that." Uh, for political gain, and, to, and I think, and, and obviously, the implication I think that you said earlier is that they don't want to talk about uh, these other issues like abortion and like um, you know, the, like their unpopular agenda. This is you know the right, um, and so uh, that's going to be something that they're going to do. Like that's going to be part of their program here uh, for the election. You know, given that appears, and there's. There's a, like another little digression, but uh, I don't know if anybody has seen like Marco Rubio ad, which yeah. is just like insane, like way too online, 
like just anti-trans, hates the way that things have been getting more and more extreme, getting, given the way that things have been headed in that direction. Um, what's kind? What do you think the outlook? I mean, you know, you study this. So, what is the outlook uh, for how they are going to continue to use this and, and ratchet stuff up? Um, and and so that's the first part. And then I guess the second part is: Do you think that once uh, the once the election uh, goes past, do you think that then they just kind of drop it um, and then move on to something else like they do with critical race theory? Or do you think that it's going to like sit for a while? Um, I think, unfortunately, we probably have a while of this. I mean, for, you know, depending on what happens. But um, yeah, like you mentioned, the, the Marco Rubio ad is really ridiculous. You know, he said the Democrats are trying to turn boys into girls and they're flooding the country with illegal immigrants and drugs. Um, Blake Masters in Arizona did said almost the same thing, bit for bit. Um, you know that they're they're transing your kids. They're bringing in illegal immigrants that are going to murder you with. You know you'll look at some fentanyl or something. Um, those are the messages that they're going all in on, and they're doing it because they don't want to talk about abortion because they know that this election is going to be about abortion. Um, they thought that it was going to be about inflation. It's not. So now they're desperately trying to find something else that'll stick. I don't know if it will. I, I just like, I, you know, I have seen focus groups where, um, people, you know, watch these kind of Republicans ads that are like, you know, we're saving sports for women and girls and people, people laugh. Um, not because this isn't that isn't a, a complicating complicated and important issue, but you know most of the states that have banned all trans kids from from sports have had either zero or one tra trans athlete attempt to compete. Like this is just not a problem that is high on the radar of anybody who is like normal. Um, so, you know, I think what happens next kind of depends on how the midterms go. If if the midterms are a disaster for the right, uh, maybe they'll try to grasp onto a new issue. But, you know, I think if you look at what DeSantis has done in Florida with the don't say gay bill, um, that muddied the waters to, to such a degree that, you know, I think that we're going to see at least half a dozen incarnations of that bill next year. Um, I think that they're going to keep beating the drumbeat that, um, you know, that this is something that is being inflicted on children um, because that's a way that they can motivate their base and that's a way that they can present a threat. Um, and, you know, I could be wrong. Maybe this will all go away and that would be amazing. Uh, but, you know, the way that right-wing politics works, um, I guess, everywhere, is that, like, they need a boogeyman. And right now, LGBTQ people are their most convenient boogeyman. So if it's not us, it's going to be somebody else. Right. They need the in-group and the out-group. They need the in-group and the out-group. Um, you know, I mean, Bush, Bush partly won 2004 on the strength of planning to ban uh, gay marriage. And, you know, that, like they, that's a well that they'll go back to time and time again. So, you know, if they move on from trans people for a little bit, they'll, you know, they'll come back around in a few years and it's just kind of the exhausting 
um, the exhausting fight to try to make it so that the next generation of trans people can grow up without having to deal with this bullshit. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a great place to end it. Um, Ari, thanks so much uh, for, for joining. Sorry about the technical difficulties that we had there, that I had there um, uh, for, <laughs> for a little bit, but thanks for, thanks, thanks for hanging out and thanks for everybody else for, for sticking through it. Um, Ari, where can people uh, find your work? Where can people find you and your commentary? Yeah, um, so people can find me on Twitter all the time, unfortunately, uh, at Ari Drennan, A-R-I. There's no A's in my last name. People often put one in there. Um, Or at mediamatters.org slash LGBTQ. Excellent. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ari, for coming on. Thanks, everybody, uh, for listening. If you're listening live or on replay on the app, uh, please be sure to like, follow, subscribe. Uh, If you're listening on replay uh, through syndication on Spotify, Google, or Apple Podcasts, uh, follow, subscribe, like, do all, whatever it's called on whichever platform, uh, and consider getting the call-in app so that you can listen along live and uh, participate in the chat and in the calls when we take calls. So thanks again, Ari. Thanks, everybody. Uh, We'll see you later this week for for another edition. Um, Have a good night, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Thanks for having me. Hope you feel better. Oh, yeah. Thanks. You too. Bye. Bye.